Good morning, everybody. This morning, we'd like to become a little bit more of a traditional in traditional church type of a setting this morning. And so what we'd like to do is we'd like to, this morning, look at three truths that were displayed by Christ that demonstrated his passion to redeem the world. You've often heard that expression, the passion of the Christ. Well, the first place that we're going to look at his passion to redeem the world is found in Gethsemane. Here, in his passion, is the power that was manifested by his submission. Christ had just come from the Passover meal with his disciples. They had sung a hymn, and the scriptures say that he went into a garden. That's the only time that we ever see Jesus singing. It was right before his death. The garden is called Gethsemane. Gethsemane means an oil press. Olive oil was pressed out of the olives that were there. In the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 through 39, the scriptures read the following. I'll stand so I can just read it better. The scripture says that then Jesus went with them, that's with his disciples. How many were there when he went with his disciples? How many? Yeah, there was 11 because Judas had already left. And so Christ goes with his disciples to this place called Gethsemane, that's east of Jerusalem, moving toward the area of the Mount of Olives. And so as he goes to Gethsemane, the scripture said that he said to his 11 disciples there, he said, you guys just sit here while I go over there, not too far from where they were, and where I'm going to pray. And the scripture says that he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, whose names were James and John. It's interesting to note that Jesus appeared to 500. There was 120 in the upper room. He sent 70. He chose 12, but he was closest to three. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life that I'm really part of that inner circle with the one that I love. Do I have a witness in the house? And so the scripture says that he took with him Peter and James and John. And the scripture says that, that he began, here is the beginning of this tremendous passion. He began to become sorrowful. But not only was he experiencing sorrow, but he was troubled within himself. And he said to them, look, my soul is very sorrowful 
I believe King James might even say, even to the point of death. A lot of times we say, Lord, you don't understand what I'm going through. But I believe Jesus can say, been there, done that, bought that t-shirt. And so he's sorrowful to the point of death. And he says to them, he says, remain here. He says, watch with me. Now we're talking about the power of submission, which is part of his passion. He says, stay here, watch with me. And he goes just a little further and the scripture says that he fell on his face. I'm just sensing that he fell on his face because of the tremendous load of the weight of the sin that he knew he was out soon to bear. He fell underneath the cross, but here's the first place that he falls. He falls on his face. And he said, my father, once again, isn't it interesting to know in Jesus' most agonizing point of his life. He just didn't call him God, but he addresses him as my father. He says, my father, if it's possible, let this situation, let this pass from me. I don't want this father. But here's the power of submission. When we submit, when you and I will submit to what the Lord may be allowing into our life. Because it's so easy to kind of read Bible verses, but the reality is you and I at times may be here this morning and there may be tremendous battles going on in our life and the Holy Spirit may be saying to you and to me, surrender in this way to me. Because if we'll surrender and if we'll experience the cross, after the cross will come the crown. And he says, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, Father, but as you will. The power of submission. I have in the next slide, I have the power of submission. Notice what happens when men and women submit to the Lord. Abraham submitted and he becomes the father of nations. Moses submitted and he follows God's voice and he leads God's people out of slavery. The wise men submitted when they saw this, this rising star and because they followed it, they find a savior. The prodigal son, he recognized as his heirs and he submitted and he knew that he needed to go back to the father's house. And when he goes there, he's greeted with love from his father. You may be here this morning. You may be far from the Lord. But if you'll submit your heart to the Lord, the father will run to you and he'll receive you with open arms. The blind man, he heard the instructions of the Lord Jesus. He submitted to them and he found healing. Andrew and Peter, when the Lord Jesus said, come and follow me, they let go of their fishing nets. They follow him and they become co-laborers with Christ. Paul submitted when he heard what he had to do and he found purpose by bringing light to the Gentiles. Jesus submitted to the will of the Father and he becomes the savior of the world. 
There's power in our submission to the Lord. Steve and his wife are coming to minister a song referring to this wonderful power that's found in submission.
is no greater name than this, no greater name than this, than the name of Jesus. There is no higher love than this, no higher love than this. Oh, the love of Jesus. There is no greater name than this, no greater name than this. Oh, the name of Jesus. There is no higher love than this, no higher love than this. Oh, the love of Jesus. The, uh, the next portion we're going to cover is a responsive reading. And um, as we're coming to this section, not just going through the motions, but as we're even reflecting on the love of God, we're here because of the resurrection, the power, the work of the cross, and the resurrection. And... This is what God is even reflecting, calling us to submit to, his love, his power, his goodness. And so as we're saying these things, as we're actually uh, going through this response, it's a proclamation of commitment that you're going and willing, that we're all willing to say, this is me, and I'm proclaiming this over my life. So the first part I'll say, and the second part you will say afterwards as Jesus submitted to the will of the Father, in the midst of difficulty or the sunshine of my life, it is because I know I can put my trust in you. Knowing that you are the giver of life, and that you have good plans for me. So now we see Christ from the garden, taken by the Roman soldiers, betrayed by his friend, brought before Pilate, scourged, mocked, beaten, stripped, crowned with the thorns, mocked and spit on. 
let down the, down the Via Dolorosa on the way to be crucified. Brenda's going to sing a song and just keep this spirit of um, reflection and uh, as we sing with her. Down the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem that day The soldiers tried to clear the narrow street But the crowd pressed in to see A man condemned to die on Calvary a beating there were stripes upon his back and he wore a crown of thorns upon his head and he bore with every step the scorn of those who cried out for his death down the Via Dolorosa called the way of suffering a lamb came the Messiah, Christ the King. But he chose to walk that road out of his love for you. Down the Via Dolorosa, all the The soldiers tried to clear the narrow street, but the crowd pressed in to see a man condemned to die on Calvary. Down the Via Dolorosa, all the way of suffering, like a lamb came the Messiah, Christ the King. Like a love. 
That's the power of love. I was thinking as Brenda was singing that, was it Jesus' love for me and for you that made him carry the cross? Or was it Jesus' love to fulfill the Father's will that made him carry the cross? Was it his love for us that made him hang on that cursed tree? Or was it his love for the Father's will? Or was it both? What a wonderful Savior. The power of love he submitted There's power in submission, but there's power in love. What does the scripture teach us? Now there abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these three is love. Love never fails. As we look at love just for a second, think of the love that's manifested in Scripture for people. This love, it's a seeking love. It's called a seeking love because the Scripture says that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. It's a protecting love because the woman who had been caught in adultery when the Pharisees were saying, the law says she should be crucified, what do you say, Jesus? And we see there, it's not only a seeking love, but it's a protecting love. It's a restoring love. The demoniac of the gathering couldn't be controlled, running around nude, out of his mind, But it's a restoring love because after Jesus encountered him and he loved him, the Bible said he was clothed, seated, and in his right mind. So it's a seeking love. It's a protecting love. It's a restoring love. It's a patient love. Wasn't he patient with Saul as he's out murdering Christ's followers? Wasn't he patient with Peter? When Peter denies him, but he goes and restores him, isn't he patient with people like me and you? It's a patient love. It's a visiting love. For he visited the 120 that were there in the upper room. The scripture says, and the spirit of God blew, and he visited them, and they were never the same. I believe many of us here have experienced that same refreshing from the Spirit of God's wind. And hasn't it made us new, born again? So it's a seeking love, a protecting love, a restoring love, a patient love, a visiting love. It's a forgiving love. He turns to the thief on the cross after the thief on the cross says, Hey, Jesus, would you remember me when you enter in your kingdom? And Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. It's a forgiving love. It's a sacrificial love. Greater love has no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life 
for his friend. So my friends, I propose to you that this love that Jesus manifested as he carried the cross, as he hung on a cross because he not only loved us, but because he loved the will of the Father, that this love is manifested in the following ways that we've just mentioned. I'd like us to repeat altogether this. I'm going to use the the expression, it's a love, and we'll all begin to say that it's a love that is seeking me. It's a love that protects me. So I'd like us just to constantly just use that refrain, it's a love that. So I'll begin, read with me. It's a love that's seeking me. It's a love that protects me. It's a love that restores me. It's a love that's patient with me. It's a love that visits me. It's a love that forgives me. It's a love that has sacrificed for me. Let's look further into this demonstration of this love. This love that overcame darkness, disappointments, disillusionments, destroyed the powers of darkness, and has brought us new life and brought us deliverance. Amen. The choir is going to come at this time. And as they come, they're going to put a scripture up on the PowerPoint for us. Amen. He's worthy, church. This is a day to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And I would like to have all of us as a church together read this Scripture, Mark 15, 33 through 36. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge, a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Amen. The choir is going to sing for us at this time. Oh, I'm sorry, there's more. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. At the cert- curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion who was facing him saw that in this way he had breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God.
Amen. Thank you, choir. The old rugged cross. What a powerful, powerful symbol that is for us today. I'm going to do a reading from a book written by Anne Graham Lotz. How many know who Anne Graham Lotz is? She is a sister of Billy Graham, an aunt to Franklin Graham. And the book, name of the book is called My Heart's Cry for More. I first read this quite a few years ago, and it really touched me. My heart's cry for more. My question to you today is this. What's your heart crying for today? I would say this. It's probably easy to cry for more when we're on the mountaintop. But it's in those valley times that God really speaks to us. And there's two things I want to present to you today that you can add to your prayer chain. One of them is Anne Graham Lotz. She's battling stage four cancer today. Franklin Graham updates every week what's going on. But she's in a struggle for her life. Remember her in your prayers. And one more thing that I'm sure a lot of you read this morning or heard. Um, today, on Easter Sunday, in the country of Sri Lanka, 12 churches were bombed. As of 10 o'clock this morning, at least 200 brothers and sisters in the Lord are dead. Many, many, many wounded. It's when we go through the trials, church. It's when we face those things. I pray that our hearts cry us for more. Amen? Let me read this. As Jesus went to the cross, who stepped up to testify about what Jesus had done for him? Or her? Think about that once. And those hours before, on that, on that carrying the cross through the streets, who stepped up to testify about what Jesus had done for him or her? Those hours of agony hanging on the cross, nobody stepped up. Where was the leper who was cleansed? The blind man who was given sight? The, 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 the demoniac who had been set free? the adulterous woman who had been forgiven. Where were the lives of those who had been touched and transformed by the power and the love of Jesus? Whatever the reason, they missed the opportunity of a lifetime. How about us? Let us step up to testify about who Jesus is and what he has done. He forgives and he forgets. He creates and he cleanses. He restores and he rebuilds. He heals and he helps. He reconciles and he redeems. He comforts and he carries. He lifts and he loves. He is the God of the second chance, of the fat chance, of the slim chance, and of the no chance. Keep on praising him. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. 
He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. Keep on praising him. He guards the young. He seeks the stray. He finds the lost. He guides the faithful. He rights the wronged. He avenges the abused. He defends the weak. He comforts the oppressed. He welcomes the prodigal. And he heals the sick. Amen. If any of these seek you, touch your heart, let's just, let's just say amen. It's, it's, it's not bad to say amen in church. Amen? So let's keep on praising him. He cleans the dirty. He beautifies the barren. He restores the failure. He mends the broken. He blesses the poor. He fills the empty. He clothes the naked. He satisfies the hungry. He elevates the humble. He forgives the sinner. He raises the dead. Just keep on praising him. He supplies strength to the weary. He increases power to the faint. He offers escape to the tempted. He gives purpose to the aimless. He gives reason to the meaningless. He gives light to the darkness. He brings comfort to the lonely. He gives future to the hopeless. And he gives life to the lifeless. Let's just keep on praising him. Amen? One more scripture is John 129. And it says this. The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen.